Welcome, one and all, to episode 172 of the Original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host and recovering Ohio State fan, Justin Higgins. <laughs> uh, Justin, I know you survived Thanksgiving with the in-laws, and now you're surviving your Ohio State Buckeyes for a second year in a row getting... Uh, run over not necessarily blown out but run over by the michigan wolverines definitely got blown out in the second half um especially the fourth quarter there's no question about it but we're sitting here and ohio state is still very much alive uh we expect when the college football playoff rankings come out on tuesday that ohio state's probably still going to be fifth and uh we've got we're going to have georgia one Michigan, two. Then we're going to have uh, USC and TCU, three and four in some order. And then Ohio State's going to be fifth because uh, Alabama's lost twice, and so has Tennessee. And so those two teams we expect to be six and seven. So uh, Ohio State's still alive. I can't be too depressed. But one of the two of TCU and USC has to win, and we're going to talk about that to lead off the show. Yeah, we are. So let's get going with, you know, the college football playoffs right now. We have two locks, barring, and I'm going to say this, barring Michigan getting blown out in the Big Ten championship game, which is not going to happen. But even a loss, I think they're fine. If they get run off the field by Purdue, you might have to have a conversation but I don't know if you can get any Big Ten team in in that instance. And then the other one, of course, is Georgia in the SEC. Their lock status took a slight, slight hit when LSU decided to remember that they had Jaden Daniels and Brian Kelly leading them. Um, and they played, or maybe Texas A&M remembered they have like one of the teams with most the most five-star recruits on it in the country. I don't know. One of those things happened this weekend, but I, I mean, it still feels really, really lockish for both teams, but I can see avenues where a blowout from the other side could potentially necessitate a conversation. I just don't think that there's anything that's going to come of that conversation. I, I agree, Seth. I, I mean, What's uh, Michigan's not going to lose by 30 points to Purdue. Um, even if they lose by, you know, 15, which is probably not going to happen at all. Uh, they're still in. This will be their only loss. Uh, that will actually help Ohio State's case, by the way. And Georgia is not going to, is not going to lose this weekend, even if they do. This is a three-loss LSU team. Had LSU held off Texas A&M, they would have made a great case to be a playoff team if they had beat Georgia. But uh, with three losses, they are out. So they can only play spoiler, much like Nebraska did with uh, in beating Iowa last Friday and keeping Iowa out of the uh, Big Ten championship game. So, I, I mean, I think there's, there's almost no scenario where Georgia and Michigan don't get in. Even if they lose, they're not going to get blown out by these teams and um, even if they do, it's it's kind of hard to keep them out because they have beaten some of these other uh, teams that are in the hunt. So it, the more interesting 
conversation to me is TCU and USC. Those guys are win and in, but if either one or both loses, I think they're both out. Yeah, and I mean, we saw this weekend TCU took care of business. A little surprising, I think, for both of us. We didn't expect them to look that strong against Iowa State. And, and that's not saying that Iowa State's great by any means, but we were not expecting 62-14. to 14. I mean, I wasn't. I'm, I'm pretty sure you weren't either in that case. No, I uh, think you've got a team, though, in Iowa State that's kind of got nothing to play for at this and, point. And, and by the way, isn't this when these guys like Matt Campbell – look back and go, man, I turned down a lot of money from <laughs> Right. And that, I mean, we talk about that all the time. There's another conversation for another day, but we talk about that all the time about like, why would you leave Iowa state if you're Matt Campbell? One more year of this after the disappointment of last year, where you're supposed to be a national championship contender, or at least a college football playoff contender. And then you, you barely make a bowl game and then you, you go to four and eight the next year, so you're not even going to make a bowl game. Like all of a sudden, right? Like there are some definite questions about Matt Campbell in Iowa State. Um, I think it's more like he's maybe like Pat Fitzgerald status, where he's just like he's guiding a team that's historically terrible and keeping them relevant every other year or so, and. So he's got some security, but he's not really getting a lot, not really getting a lot of looks at a higher level. USC is the other one, and if they win, they'll win the Pac-12, and we know that that's kind of the the playoff committee's dream scenario is to have four conf- big conference winners, so Power Five conference winners. So well. It- I want to ask you this. Is that their dream scenario or is their dream scenario for the Pac-12 and Big 12 frontrunners to lose so that they can squeeze Ohio State and Alabama in against Michigan and Georgia in some form? Well, so that's the thing. So their dream is always to not have to explain anything. It's it's to make the most – well, yes, but also it's to make the most money. So which of those right. takes precedent? So their dream, their dream scenario of, hey, we wash our hands of everything, is Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three, USC four. They don't have to worry about anything. They wash their hands of it. It's over. It's done with. You get SEC versus Pac twelve. You get Big Ten versus Big Twelve. There's no questions. I mean, you can say Alabama's a better team, one thousand percent, but they don't have a leg to stand on, right? Their dream scenario is 1,000% to have the four most popular slash hated schools in the country in their top four and sneak Bama and Ohio State in. Well, hold on. They can't get Notre Dame in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, that's the thing is so you look at it from the the money perspective, they 1,000% want. Ohio State and and USC and or, or Bama in this game, from a hey the system works perspective, they one hundred percent want TCU and and USC to win, so they just wash their hands of it. They don't have to, they don't have to be like yeah Bama's the better team, but TCU is undefeated. Like they'll 
it'll be like Cincy last year. They can yeah. let let those guys go get waxed and prepare for Georgia, Michigan in, in the national championship game. Yeah, so absolutely. TCU and USC is getting in, just makes it an easy call. They both take care of business this weekend. They're in. I think it's an easy Final Four. Um, I think we've kind of already answered this question, but what happens if TCU and USC lose? If they bo- if one of them loses, Ohio State's in. They're going to get in because they're a big draw. Their only loss is going to be to a top two team, albeit at home. And, you know, late in the game, things got out of hand. Michigan really steamrolled them in that fourth quarter. But I, I think if one of those two teams loses, Ohio State's going to get in. If they both lose, I absolutely think the committee is going to shoehorn Bama in as that fourth team because even though Tennessee is sitting right there, Hendon Hooker's out. Their quarterback's out, and there's going to be some kind of maneuvering. South Carolina really destroyed Tennessee, and that loss is probably the worst loss of any of these top six teams that we're talking about. It's kind of reminiscent of when Ohio State got got obliterated by Iowa a few years ago. I think it was like four or five years ago. Tennessee has no chance of getting in because of that huge loss to South Carolina and Hendon Hooker's out. I know the committee's not supposed to, uh, you know, factor in like a quarterback injury like that, but they will. But they'll just excuse it as being a blowout loss, and they will they will jump Bama over Tennessee. That's my prediction. Let me ask you this: Can you put Ohio State in if Michigan loses in the Big Ten title game? Hundred percent, you can, um, because Michigan. There's no way that Purdue gets into the playoff. Right. So my question and there's is there's no like, I don't think unless Purdue beats them like Purdue beat Ohio State a few years ago when Dwayne Haskins was quarterback, there's no way you, you can knock Michigan out. Michigan's not gonna finish below Ohio State. Well that's what I mean though. So like say say USC loses just because that's I think the most likely scenario with them playing Utah again. Although they only lost to Utah by one. Yeah, and, and let's say Michigan loses. Like is it just because there's so many two-loss teams that you can't jump a one-loss Ohio State team, even if if you look at the Big Ten now as being a little weaker? Uh, yeah, I mean, in that scenario, I don't think there's any way. You're saying a two-loss USC team? There's no way a two-loss USC team uh, gets in over Ohio State. I don't think so. Any... I mean, there's just really no other team, right? I mean, I think it's, I I really think it's down to six teams. And if the four teams that are supposed to take care of business this weekend do, I think they're in. And I think the surprise is Bama leapfrogging Tennessee. There's going to be a lot of controversy about that if, if you have this scenario. And, and, and also leaving a one loss TCU team out. But, the committee has disrespected the Big 12 for years now, and the Pac-12 for that matter. So um, USC will get in because they're if, if they're a one-loss team. But there's no way. Two-loss, no dice. Pac-12, even one-loss, 
I think disqualifies you uh, this year because the committee is going to be hungry to get Ohio State and Bama, get get them a bite at the apple. To have those two matchups, like you're going to have Big Ten, you you could potentially have Big Ten versus SEC in the 1-4 and 2-3 matchups, and I think the committee would absolutely eat that up. This weekend made things a little easier for the committee. Um, it made things a little more difficult for NFL teams. And it starts with C.J. Stroud, really. Um, you know, not by any stretch of the imagination, the consensus number one quarterback, but a guy I think everybody was kind of leaning towards that way. You and I have talked about his his flaws and his warts. He didn't have a, a, a terrible game by any stretch of the imagination, but he had by far his worst non-weather issue game of the season um, in the big game with, you know, two interceptions. He didn't run well again. Um, you know, his, his completion percentage was was about – the middle of what he's had this year. And he's had, you know, two games where the weather was a huge issue, but in, you know, why is he not a guy that rises to the moment or the occasion or is, I mean, is that, is that a fair question mark to have of a guy that you're trying to put as your franchise guy? Yeah, for sure it is. But I, I think it's also fair to ask, why is he not allowed to be that guy? We saw that they had a fourth and five near midfield, and Ryan Day took the ball out of his hands and tried to do a fake punt that the long snapper screwed up, and it, it turned into an actual punt. You know, that the snap was supposed to go to the upback and went to the punter instead. This was... It, a one score game until there were what about seven and a half minutes left in the game. And then things completely fell apart for Ohio state, but multiple times. And we've pointed this out multiple times this year. It seems like Ryan day took the ball out of CJ Stroud's hands. And um, you had the, those weather games, the Northwestern game uh, was, was the big one. Um, you had the Maryland game where he leaned heavily on a freshman running back in the second half in a, in a tight game. And then this Michigan game where Stroud was allowed to throw a lot in the second half. <clears throat> but um, it, at that point, they were playing catch-up. They were playing from behind. And I think, like you said, Stroud has some difficulties that I think – Ideally, you would say he should come back next year and play college for another year. It does not sound like that's what's going to happen. But um, it's it's just very curious where you've got this quarterback-oriented coach and this guy who's supposed to be a Heisman uh, candidate, and you, you kind of take the ball out of his hands until you're, you're throwing from behind and playing catch-up. That wasn't the case last year. And that's one of the things that I, I think I noticed was you know, why did why did he seemingly regress this year? Was it was it the coaching? Was it the personnel? Um, he's missing obviously he's missing Jackson Smith and Jigba all year. 
Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson are on to the pros, but you've got s- still two studs in Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Emeka Ibuka. Why did it seem like Stroud regressed? Yeah, and I think it's a fair question. And I think it goes to what we've asked all season about, you know, is he really the guy? And if he is, he's not the guy that you take first overall. I don't think so. But he he has the demeanor and at least partial skill set to be a, a good, like a starting quarterback at the NFL level. I think that. But um, I I don't know. I mean, if I if I were advising him, I would say don't declare, come back next year. I think you've you've got something to prove. But I want to ask you this. Let's say TCU, USC, take care of business. And this is going to be, we're going to talk about these quarterbacks. This is going to be a common question that I'm going to ask. But if he is in, is playing a non-college football playoff bowl game, should he skip it? Or will he skip it? Let me ask you that, your, your prediction. Will he I th- skip? I think he will skip it. I don't think he should. Here's my question. If he wins, I, and I don't think he's going to, but if he ends up winning the Heisman, he kind of has to play in it, doesn't he? <laughs> that's a, that's really interesting because I think Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman unless USC gets... Craps the bed, yeah. Yeah, unless they get beat down by Utah, in which case Stroud could backdoor his way into the Heisman. He's still the number two runner-up, and Blake Corm's right there with him in terms of the odds, but he actually didn't even play in that Michigan-Ohio State game outside from a couple carries. He's banged up. He's hurt. So um, Stroud still conceivably could win the Heisman. And you look at his stats, like 66% completions, uh, 37 touchdowns, six picks. Not bad. Like, not bad at all. Like, But it, it's not as good as – he was last year when he finished fourth. Um, yeah. It, so if he wins the Heisman, does he have to play? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think he plays in any game outside of a college football playoff game. If he's intent on declaring, I think this is it for him. I think we've seen him throw, play his last game. And the way he was talking after the game, he was like, people are going to remember me for losing twice to Michigan. Uh, and for, for, um, you know, not making the playoff, not making the Big Ten championship. He almost seems reserved to that, that he's on his way out. The next guy on the list seems like he is gone, and that's Anthony Richardson of Florida. Um, he was asked about bowl game NFL draft after the loss to Florida State. Um, you know, and, and at, he said, just got to go back to the drawing board and figure out why I was 9 of 27. Man, this is a uh, – <clears throat> I mean, here's the thing. Richardson started that that's a, game. Wait, that's a good get. Did you actually – did he actually say that? I missed that's, that. That's from Nick De La Torre okay. uh, on, on the Twitters. Wow. Um, um, and so Florida Gator, senior writer on three sports and Gators online. Um, so Richardson started the game. This is why this number is funny, right? Richardson started the game five of seven with three touchdowns and finished nine for 27, which for those of you counting at home is not good. Um, (laughs) 
That was four for his last 20. Yes. I'll do yes. that math. And so that's the Ohio State math. If, if <laughs> uh, but Which so, is accurate. I guess it's a testament to my school. <laughs> <laughs> so the question becomes, outside of a guy that is maybe an MVP level player right now and Josh Allen, what type of quarterback prospect in that's going to get first round buzz ends his season career. And now this is for this season, not, not his total career. We can go over his total career as well. Um, with fifth, less than 54% completion with only 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Like, I can't think of a lot of prospects that got first-round buzz that had those kind of numbers. And remember, he's coming off 59.4 and 6-5 and five last year when he was a part-time starter. I mean, when you look at, at Josh Allen – uh, and you you kind of like grade for comp, uh, level of competition. I think there are some similarities because we always see Josh Allen get compared to Will Levis. But when you look at uh, Josh Allen compared to Richardson, I think you see some statistical comps. But Richardson's uh, playing in the SEC. He's gonna he's probably gonna run faster than Allen did. They have similarities in terms of throwing because uh, neither one of them seems to have a changeup. They both, when they were college prospects, Allen and now Richardson, they see it, everything seems to be a missile. There's, there's, uh, everything's a fastball. There's no touch involved, and we've seen Josh Allen involve or develop that touch, right? And now there's a blueprint for guys. With similar skill sets to Richardson, you've got uh, over the last few years, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields. Uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody, somebody obvious right now, but um, there's a blueprint for guys with these skill sets where they have like the cannon arm, the running ability, but you have to to kind of hone that skill set. So I think there's still hope for this guy. Um, it's interesting to me that he's just always seemed hell-bent on declaring. It it seems like a foregone conclusion. To me, the comp for him is Kaepernick, who went in the second round. If you look at him statistically and skill set-wise, I think there are a lot of similarities. But Kaepernick was doing it against Mountain West teams or I think it was whack at the time. Um, and yeah, also, Ka- yeah. And also Kaepernick was like rushing for 1100 yards a year. So I, I can, you know, if Anthony Richardson's in the whack and Kaepernick era, maybe he's rushing for 1100 yards too. Uh, but see- don't you, here, here's my thing. So like, and, and I get that we don't ever stay for four years anymore. I, I get that, but you know, you look at Cap's development and that the the big growth from an accuracy 
standpoint came between that junior and senior year. So you look at it sophomore year, you know, he, 54. He was still under 60% though, right? No, no, he was 64.9. Oh, okay, year. okay. So that's what I'm saying. So like he went from his sophomore year 54.3 to his junior year 58.9, which is right around, like you said, that's super Richardson-like. And then he jumped up to 64.9 as a senior you know, he only improved his touchdowns to 21. He threw two more interceptions, but he threw the ball 77 more times on the season. So, like, you know, to improve everything with that, and then, like you said, I mean, his senior year, that dude ran for 1,200 yards and 20 touchdowns. So he counted for 41 touchdowns. And, yes, it was in the whack, but, you know, you look at this year um, – Anthony Richardson barely accounted for 2,000 yards. Yeah. and, and I mean, if, I think a lot and, of that's Napier, too. I, yeah. I think we got to put that on the coach because that earlier in the season, like, he he explicitly said he was protecting the quarterback and, and telling him not to run. Like, dude, now Florida's a six-win team, and you look like kind of a Joe Schmo as a coach when you had this – Ultimate sorry. weapon. Yeah, sorry, and I was wrong. It was he. He. Had, I was looking at somebody else's numbers. He had thirty one hundred yards of offense, which is actually thirty two hundred. That's so. That's good. I mean, it's and good. 20, but but and the, point stands, right? yeah. the point well, still so, stands, right? The point still stands. So but, can you can you also factor in the regression of um, of accuracy to a new system as well. Like, here's the thing. I think both of us would agree that he would benefit from coming back. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really think there was a regression of accuracy. I think it's just, I I just think it was more like a plateau because he wasn't even asked to throw that much last year. They were playing around with uh, Emory Jones. And I think it's more of a, a plateau and if you look at the receiving core this year at Florida, it's depleted. You got guys tran- transferring out. Justin Shorter had transferred out. Uh, Jacob Copeland. And so you're missing some you know, good recruits in your receiving core. And it's it, it just wasn't an ideal situation for him as a passer. I'm not, I'm not at all trying to make excuses for him. I think there's a lot of warts on this prospect but what you see is player who's hell-bent on apparently hell-bent on declaring for the draft and we're just trying to make a comparison to to some of the guys that have come out in recent years and and how they developed at the nfl level i think there is a blueprint for anthony richardson to be successful but i think i think he falls short of um Justin Fields, Josh Allen, that level of prospect. I think he's closer to the Kaepernick level of prospect. But we saw Kaepernick had a great run, made a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, so where do you take this guy? I think he's going to ultimately go in the top, say, 10, 15, if he comes out. And then it's, is he going to get you fired or is he going to make you look like a genius? And I think that's going to ride on him as a player. They won six games, so they're guaranteed a bowl game, right? And he's going to skip it, I think. I think if he if he's going to declare, 
I think Anthony Richardson's going to skip the bowl, and he should from from a business perspective. Because and and we'll circle back to this in every conversation we have from here on out for years. Look what happened to Matt Corral last year. Correct. Um, Will Levis already in the Senior Bowl. He's been banged up most of the year. Um, turnover machine at Kentucky, but his regression, if you will, seems to stem from the fact that one, it's Kentucky. I mean, let's be honest. Um, and they didn't have a ton of ton of talent this year. Uh, Wandell Robinson, who knew he'd make that much of a difference, right? Um, but I think there's a lot of warts. I mean, we've talked about this class. There's a lot of warts on him too. Obviously, the age comes into play immediately. Um, you're talking about a guy that's thrown 24 interceptions the last two seasons, which is uh, 23. 23, sorry. In, 23. But in 24 games, almost won a game. 23 uh, the last two seasons, which is quite a quite a few. Um, you know, his, his touchdown to interception ratio was never over two to one. Does that, I mean, that's almost unheard of for a big time prospect. Yeah. I mean, I think people want to compare him to Josh Allen and, and Josh Allen had turnover problems at Wyoming as well. And notably... Wasn't he like 16 to 6 still? I think something, but notably, you know, he he struggled against every Power 5 team that he ever played. And um, he he had the five interception game against, uh, I think it was Nebraska, the year before he came out, uh, which would have been his redshirt sophomore year, I think. So there are some similarities, but. The thing about Josh Allen was his athleticism was never muted the way that Will Levis's was this year, where he just he he could not negate the negative plays. He took so many sacks, he held the ball, he took so many sacks, and his athleticism and rushing ability was just completely negated. But it was almost not even there. It wasn't there. He had negative 107 yards rushing and two touchdowns. So any dent that he made on the ground it was just cut down we noted uh, a couple weeks ago when he had a bad game and um this past weekend they won and he still was only 11 and 19 like he almost any quarterback could win under under these conditions they were playing louisville that's their in-state rivalry game um but the thing is he's already a senior bowl guy and 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 just like um Anthony Richardson, I think he's he's almost guaranteed to not play in this bowl game. There's no reason for him to. He's already been gifted top five, top ten status. Why would you play in the bowl game? There's no reason for him to, especially because, like you said, he, he hurt his thumb earlier in the year. That probably um, affected his play. And I think, I'm not saying he's, not a gamer. I think he is. I think he, he tried to come back from that thumb injury probably sooner than he should have. Maybe he could have sat out the whole season. He was already gifted that spot. 
he's not going to play in a bowl. I think we've seen the last of Will Levis until the Senior Bowl. Finally, Bryce Young. Um, he's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to Stroud, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> no, number statistically, they're they're pretty similar. They actually um, both regressed a lot this year. But it's like if you would have put Young in that game against Michigan, just based on what he's done in the past, you're like you feel really you're like oh maybe there, there's a good chance that Ohio State's going to win this game. Well, he's the- I I think it's like like look at how Saban treats Bryce Young versus how Ryan Day treats C.J. Stroud. Saban would feel really comfortable putting putting it all on Bryce Young and letting him make magic. And uh, Dave doesn't feel that way about C.J. Stroud. So, like, there's no question in my mind that Bryce Young is the magic man in this class. Like, there's no question. And, you know, it's interesting because the way that Tua has played this year. And I think Bryce is a better athlete than Tua. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's closer than people want to say. And Tua is a little bigger. Um, I think I think Bryce has a little bit of an edge in athleticism, but I don't think it's a lot. I don't think it's like Kyler Murray versus Baker Mayfield or anything like that. Right. Like I think this is a narrow question, which makes the question of size even more relevant. And so you know, you look at what Tua has done with the the Dolphins, and you know Tua doesn't have the biggest arm. He's the guy that's a lot of the things that you describe about Tua comes with the it factor, right? Like they just make plays. Um, Is that going to be Bryce Young? And is that why he's, I mean, we saw it on, on Friday during the Ohio state Michigan game where people are going, this is why I, I think Bryce Young is quarterback one. It, this is a really tough question because there were a lot of people who thought that uh, that Tua was completely a bust going into this year, and you see what happens with Tua getting matched up with the right coach, with Mike McDaniel. Um, but I don't actually think that's an argument to support drafting a guy like Tua really early. You see what it – I mean, this is a, a big um, – you know, kind of leap from this, but you see what a guy like Jacoby Brissett has done under Kevin Stefanski. And if you had a more talented quarterback, the Browns would be better at this point in the season than, than what, four and seven? It's not that Jacoby Brissett stinks. He's actually pretty good, but he's pretty good for a backup, right? Now, two has been really good, but Dolphins fans want to make make it sound like he's elite. I'm not ready to go there with this. I do think he's been shortchanged by a lot of the analysts. And I think he, you know, I thought two was a first round pick. 
when he came out of college. I mean, he was only a top five pick, so. <laughs> right. And I thought Tua was better than, you know, Baker Mayfield. I even thought Tua was, should have been a higher pick than Josh Allen, right or wrong, right? But um, I, don't, I don't think Tua is a bad player or anything like that. But the question is, does the Tua factor help Bryce Young more than that? The short quarterback, the small quarterback factor hurts him because we're already seeing Russell Wilson has completely fallen off the rails. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he is bigger, you know, than Bryce Young. Probably not quite as athletic, but well, again, I, I think Bryce. Even Le- Kyler's had a regression this year. For yeah, Kyler, year. that's the big one right now to me. And what's Bryce Young? They list him at six foot one ninety four. He's he's really closer to five eleven, right? Right. And he's thin. So there 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 are concerns here. And I I'm just I know PFF has him as their number one overall player, and I just feel like that is so bold after what we've been through over the last several years. Um we talked about it when when we talked about our quarterback rankings. Would you rather take your chances on now that you have the blueprint? Would you rather take your chances on Anthony Richardson, who's six four two thirty, or Bryce Young, who's more refined by far as a passer, but who's legitimately five ten, maybe two hundred if he doesn't drink any water for three days? <laughs> you know, and it's interesting too because you look at it. I think a lot of these young guys have seen regression coming into play. And the question becomes, how do they respond? Right. Uh, and, and, and by the way, let me let me quote these stats. Because we don't want to box score scout. Although we do have an article every week on Patreon uh, to that effect. But Bryce Young, 64% completion percentage this year. That's certainly under par. 8.4 yards per attempt. Not, nothing special about that. And at 27 touchdowns, 5 picks. And he did definitely use his legs more than he had in the past. But you have to count that uh, 100 of his yards rushing came against Utah State in Week 1. He had 195 on the season. So I think people that are that are just blessing him with a top five grade are really out over their skis. I don't think that he's that type of player. We had a hot take that we wanted to discuss tonight. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think that's going to be, before we get to the hot take, I think this is going to be, the big debate for this this class and it's debating the the lesser of all the evils and i'm not saying that any of these guys are like bad or anything like that but like i think you're i think you're going to go into this saying okay do i want an older player that's maybe on like a and i mean will levis hasn't even had a kenny pickett like college season um do I want He's at least bigger <laughs> and, and probably uh, a little more athletic, but yeah, he hasn't even had a Kenny Pickett year. Um, you know, do I want, do I want the, 
guy with the tools guy with Anthony Richardson, um, you know, do I want the guy that that looks the part, has put up the numbers, done all that, and C.J. Stroud, or do I want the quote-unquote winner, right? I mean, and, and that's not just to take I, – I think sometimes – if we when we say that it takes a little bit away from Bryce Young and what he's accomplished but you know he is the smallest he is you know he does have the most physical limitation questions out of the group um and that's the thing is like so like Justin said who do you bet on speaking of betting Ed Fang at the power rank he is a predictive analytics PhD for the NFL and college football. Um, host of the football analytics show on iTunes. So find that if you're interested. Um, he's also an in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I'm assuming he's probably a Michigan guy, wouldn't you assume? I don't think he's an Ohio State guy if he's in Ann Arbor. He came out today. If By the way, we, let me say this. I've been to Ann Arbor for the Ohio State-Michigan game. Their fans have been more gracious to the opposition than the Ohio State fans in Columbus. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, being honest. I mean, if, I, everybody knows I'm a Buckeye, true and true. But the Ann Arbor people, they were very kind when they lost when I was there in 2005. Ed, Ed starts this off by saying, if Michigan and Ohio State were to play again in the playoff, I'd make the Buckeyes a two-and-a-half-point favorite right now. That might seem odd given Saturday's result, but there are two big reasons. One, explosive plays have a huge random component. And then two, Ohio State still had has an elite offense. On Saturday, they had 494 yards and a 47.4 success rate against Michigan, who only had a 37.9% success rate. So, you know, you guys do the do the success rate math on did, that. Did he stop keeping track of success rate after halftime? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. But, so here's the kicker, because we didn't even see this. Chris Andrews of... At Andrews Sports and Andrews Sports is a bookmaker. Um, Have you ever bet based on at Andrews Sports? No, but okay. he's how many he, followers does he have? Thirty five thousand. Impressive. And and he sets lines. So like it's I don't know. He might do gambling. I have never literally I just found this tweet. And he will have to consult uh, Elon Musk to see if <laughs> how many bots are following him, right? <laughs> but he has him. He has Ohio State minus two. Interesting. Okay. So, so the books so our, our buddy, allegedly, yeah. So our guys on the right track, right? Here's my thing. I and I, I do understand that what they're saying about the big plays being right. Um, well, I don't remember. What the it, word they're use. basically saying it's fluky, uh, that, that Michigan's, uh, had what four or five plays over 60 yards. It like, 
that's fluky. I get that, but that's assuming that Ohio State in a rematch adjusts and there's no, I don't think there's evidence that that's going to happen. Um, you would think that, right? But here's my question. Do This takes into account, I'm assuming, and I don't understand all of that stuff and I'm readily admitting it, but this seems to take into account or, or decide that the other team will adjust. And to Justin's point, in the Ohio State game, there were no adjustments made. Well, Michigan adjusted. Well, that's what I mean. Ohio, Ohio State, State did not. Uh, right. I mean, the first half, you had Ohio State completely shut down Michigan's run game um, by using basically, what, zero coverage? Yeah. Even though they got burned in the second quarter with two long touchdowns, and in the second half, they just decided to roll with that. And then eventually, uh, Michigan just breaks past the line of scrimmage and has long touchdown runs. Like that that's just it's not sustainable, clearly. So you're you're assuming with the with these odds that Ohio State is going to learn something from this. I think that's I, honestly Seth, I think that's not uh an unsafe assumption. I, mean, I actually think it's a safe assumption. But Michigan's also going to counter that in some way too, right? Well, and so that's my thing. And so, and also, at, you might have Blake Corum healthy by then, and well, well yeah. but you might have Travion here. I get both sides of the coin. Yeah, but it, yeah, right. It, it's just odd to me to, after that game to be like, I'd still make, uh, I'd still make <laughs> the Buckeyes a favorite, and you're like. Do we watch the same games? <laughs> like, what? It was a one-score game until about seven minutes left. But you know, it, it it's a weird game, man. Football is a weird game. Uh, a halfway into that, you know, first half, you would have thought Ohio State was going to blow the doors off of them. It and it just completely reversed course. Football is a weird game. One of the things I'll, I'll say, uh, Clemson beat Ohio State, um, what, in 2019? And then 2020, Ohio State blew the doors off them and got to the uh, championship game and then got their blo- doors blown off by Alabama. So it's it's very interesting how these things can swing. I still would not favor Ohio State in any game against Michigan in any rematch. I I do not see that. Uh, Michigan has dominated all, them. I was, was going to say it's almost like they've earned the right to be the favorite at this. Point. They have. I, I think they have. They've they've kind of dominated Ohio State um, enough in the past two matchups where it's you're you're kind of like. Riding off Urban Meyer history to give Ohio State any kind of edge. So, but I don't know. From a gambling perspective, maybe we do want uh, Ohio State to be favored so that we can bet against them. (laughs) Well, and so that's the thing is like, I feel like 
and and I know this is at a different level, you know, but I feel like that a lot of coaches don't understand how to adjust in game when they're matched physically and and they look at it and go this is what we do this is who we are and then when it doesn't work they're like well they got it almost and i'm not saying they throw up the white flag i'm not saying any of that it's almost like they go well they got us in this one well and i i I don't think that's the case with ryan day uh however when i i was mentioning earlier in the show about the play that was supposed to be a fake punt that there was an error and uh, they didn't actually execute it. Um, He took responsibility for it without actually admitting that was supposed to be a fake punt. Now, look, you're, you're protecting your guy who snapped it to the wrong player, but does that do you any kind of service to not explain what you intended to do? when you took your supposedly Heisman candidate quarterback off the field, I'm not sure it does. So I don't think it's, it's those instances where I don't think a, uh, a coach really gets uh, the rivalry. Now I've said uh, on this show many times, like Ryan day is a, is a really good college coach. I think many, many teams be lucky to have him as their coach, but it's one of the things like Ohio State fans and Michigan fans and and Jim Harbaugh ran into this for years until he finally beat Ohio State. They were ready to run him out of town after 10 and 11 win years. That's what Ryan Day is running into now. He doesn't get it like uh, Urban Meyer got it. And uh, to me, that's kind of silly. Like Ryan Day is an excellent college coach, and he should have complete job security. But the fans want his head. Anything else before we get out of here? No. Uh, thank you to all our all of our listeners and our patrons, especially. Uh, you can subscribe for as little as $2 a month and you get every bonus episode we've ever had and a lot of articles. And if you're uh, for $4 a month, you get everything we've ever created. And we are going without a producer this week. Although thank you to our producer, Rob for uh, always editing, but uh, we're going, this is live uncut and, um, one take shows this week, so um, yeah, I didn't get to mute myself this week, guys. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate you all, and uh, thanks for listening. And we will be back later this week with the Patreon show. So subscribe to us, and uh, even if you're not heavy into the NFL draft, just uh, buy a subscription to us for a Christmas present. Who cares? Yes, thanks as always, guys. We appreciate it. We'll be back later this week with the bonus episode. Have a good night, everybody.